surely appreciate a Dhamma talk on understanding the nature of happiness. But unfortunately, <laughs> this is not going to be the topic. And in order to you know, really you know, gain you know, happiness, first of all, we need to understand what? Uh, the opposite, namely suffering. So the topic of our Dhamma talk tonight is understanding physical suffering. And Marcia then will talk about afflictive emotion tomorrow, which then will cover both sides, physical suffering as well as mental suffering. The Buddha in the 45th Samyutta Nikaya has certainly defined certainly suffering and he says, because bhikkhunis and lay meditators, there are these three kinds of suffering. What three? Number one, suffering due to pain. Number two, suffering due to conditioned formations. And number three, suffering due to change. Now, these are the three kinds of suffering. The Noble Eightfold Path is to be developed for direct knowledge of these three kinds of suffering, for the full understanding of them, for their utter destruction, for their abandoning. Now, the first uh, form of suffering, suffering due to pain, the Visuddhimagga explains as Satna follows, and this in Pali is known as Dukkha Dukkata, and Satna, so this is painful bodily and mental feeling. As certain for the second one suffering due to formations in the Pani scriptural language known as Sankara Dukkata. This is all conditioned phenomena of the three planes because they are oppressed by rise and fall. And then as for the third one, suffering due to change, viparinama dukkata in the Pāṇitna scriptural language is pleasant, a feeling which brings suffering when it comes to an end. Now, the the Buddha now on several occasions engaged in discussions about anicca impermanence, about unsatisfactoriness, dukkha, as well as certainly the absence of a self anatta. And 
And so on one occasion he asked, uh, well, what do you think are material form, feeling, perception, mental formations and consciousness permanent or impermanent? Well, the answer uh, to this uh, we've heard already during the preceding Dhamma talk, namely that they are impermanent. If a thing, if an object, a phenomenon is impermanent, is it then pleasurable or painful? And the answer given at Satna the time of Satna the Buddha is it is painful. Now, the main reason why formations are uh, unsatisfactory, why they are uh, suffering or uh, painful, is because they are impermanent. So, if we hang on, or if we experience some pleasant experience, some desirable experience, then we want to hang on to this experience, and certainly any change of it is certainly then perceived as certain suffering. Now, the suffering, you know, that nature formations, is inherent in you know, the five aggregates, and certainly it is referred to as the characteristic of Vatna suffering, Dukkha Lakana, in the Pali scriptural language. So that characteristic of suffering you know, then you know, me or is nothing other but you know, the oppression, suppression, the obstruction, and Certainly, the fearfulness brought about by the continuous origination and dissolution of the aggregates. So, uh, because formations keep arising, disappearing, keep arising, and uh, passing away, because of or this certainly itself is a form of oppression, suppression, etc. Now, let us elaborate on those certain three forms of Vatna suffering as certain detailed or as explained by the Buddha. Now, <clears throat> When it comes to ordinary you know, formations, you know, physical or you know, mental, especially you know, physical you know, formations, they you know, do not certainly seem you know, to have any connection you know, with suffering upon not well somewhat superficial observation. However, if we sit in meditation or outside of meditation without changing our posture in any way, then sooner or later the suffering nature will become obvious. 
So if we sit in one posture without changing the posture for an extended period of time, then sooner or later pains and etc. will develop, they'll increase more and more, and then we will wish to, we will want to change the posture. We will want to get away from those certain unpleasant certain sensations. Now, we get reminded of the nature of suffering through simple things such as the arising of a headache or a toothache or other unpleasant physical sensations. And these, at first, we may easily just put certain aside by saying, well, they're rather evanescent, and they're happening because of, because of, or happening accidentally, and so we then don't take them too seriously. Now, however, when we sit in meditation and we do not change our posture, then things then we will gain a different understanding. Now, what are you know, the things that contribute you know, to our you know, suffering you know, due to you know, pain? Well, we have experiences you know, such as a piercing pain, a stabbing pain, a shooting pain, a throbbing pain, a burning pain, stinging pain, a tearing pain, a cutting pain, a pricking pain, a poking pain, and a pounding pain. you have any... More to add, I will happily <laughs> take your advice. Well, these different kinds of pains exist, and certainly so, no, probably there are many more, and that so we can then no, further no, divide them no, by no, way of their intensity as excruciating pains or unbearable pains, as sharp or acute intense pains, or as a dull or mild certain pain. Now, obviously, yeah, there are many other unpleasant yeah, sensations around apart from yeah, just straightforward certain yeah, pains. Now, for the most part, these certain yeah, pains are associated with or come along with some unpleasant feeling. However, later on in our meditation practice, this may change. Now, as for uh, the mental uh, dukkha, this I will leave uh, for Marcia to explain tomorrow. Now, next uh, we have button to explain uh, uh, or to elaborate uh, further on Sankara dukkata. So, um, suffering due to conditions. It's uh, 
or we wake up in the morning and suddenly then we wake well we get up and suddenly then we go to the bathroom we wash our face and suddenly then perhaps suddenly shave and suddenly then we have to engage in all of these many routine habits and Hardly any no, one has suddenly ever no, thought of no, the troublesome nature of these activities. So, having no, taken breakfast and suddenly then having brushed one's teeth no, once, it certainly would be great if we no, wouldn't have to repeat this procedure again. And so, but unfortunately, comes sudden lunch, and suddenly with this, our teeth get soiled once again, and suddenly we think of our dentist, and suddenly thus suddenly we feel compelled to go and brush our teeth a second time, and so. Then after you know, the juice in you know, the evening, you know, we will remember our dentist one more time and rush and <laughs> to you know, brush our teeth a third time in a day. And this happens day after day. How cumbersome and how time-consuming you know, this certainly is. Now, the same thing, how nice would it be if certainly we could be more like the Dewas and certainly eat certain Dewa food and not have to then eat again and again and again. Or how nice certainly if certainly we could attend one aerobics class and that would be it for the year and not have to attend it again and again. And so there are all these many, uh, well, activities, regular activities that we have to engage in and so and not just once, but many times. And this, and so having to engage in them over and over and over again, well, this is a form of suffering. Maybe to explain one more thing. So, you wake up in the morning and suddenly then you take a shower and suddenly you consider your body as being clean for the day. And so, uh, then you go about your uh, daily uh, chores, and certainly, uh, let's say you have to lift certain uh, some heavy items, certainly uh, maybe uh, go uh, shopping, and certainly uh, then uh, carry uh, food items and certain uh, various certain uh, uh, juices and whatnot, and so these uh, things are heavy, and certainly uh, then so you put all of uh, these uh, things in the car, and then when you uh, then you drive back home, and then. Uh, 
when you get back home now you have to do it all over again you have to unload your car and suddenly then carry this stuff into the kitchen by the time you're done you you are sweating what about that clean situation of the body is it still going on or no more well it is no more and then you feel an urge to take yet another shower. So there are many of those certain situations and certain these arise owing to you know, the impermanence of certain formations. So you know, that certain situation, that clean you know, status that you enjoyed in the morning after having taken a shower is just not going to last forever. This is going to undergo changes and certainly thus it will require you know, taking a shower maybe a second time and certainly then the next day it's going to be the same thing all over again. So this then in Pali is known as Sankara Dukkata. Now, when it comes certain to viparinama dukkha, namely suffering due to change, then this certainly covers pleasant experiences, experiences which are connected with a pleasant feeling. So, we see. An enticing visible object, and we want to hold on to it, or we hear some sweet voice, and again, we will want to hold on to it, we will want to experience more of it, hear more of it, or we then. Um, smell you know, some you know, fragrant scent and once again you know, the mind certainly wants more of it or you know, we come across some tasty you know, flavor you know, which also you know, seems rather uh, interesting and worth pursuing. The same thing goes for pleasant bodily impressions and certainly interesting mental formations. So with regards to those, either we want to hold on to them or we may want even more of the same. And certainly this certainly then, if certainly those experiences, however, change, and let's say an enticing visible object then is no more, then the suffering follows. The same thing goes certainly for the other examples. And certainly so, the loss of one of these experiences or change then entails certain suffering. This is what is known as suffering due to change, viparinama dukkha, in the Pali scriptural language. So when we look 
at certainly the whole range of our physical and certainly we can generalize also mental experiences then in the end they are just a constant mass of suffering so what's at superficial observation seems like all pleasant experiences just happiness formations that conduce to happiness turns out to lead to just the opposite namely suffering So to summarize the three forms of suffering or unsatisfactoriness as explained by the Buddha are suffering in the form of pain, suffering inherent in formations, and suffering in change or due to change. Now, what covers up this uh, um, aspect of suffering? It is our tendency to change postures all the time in the face of suffering. So it is our habit of changing postures. As soon we sit, let's say, on a couch, rather comfortably, maybe talking to another person, and then as the conversation is lasting longer, let's say 20 minutes, half an hour, sooner or later, sitting on the couch is not that comfortable anymore, and maybe some discomfort develops in the buttocks, some hardness, some pain even, and certainly with this, then we feel well, we feel uh, tempted to change our, or forced to change our posture. And suddenly then, after maybe five minutes, another new discomfort arises somewhere else in the body, and maybe in the back, and suddenly then the uh, habituated reaction is to change the posture one more time. And this may happen many times within a sitting, or within a conversation of one hour. Or what might happen if we get tired of sitting in one place, then we will do what? Uh, we will get up and walk, and suddenly then, after a little bit of uh, walking, we may feel, oh well, this is uh, too strenuous, and uh, uh, so uh, let me cut this walk short, and suddenly go back uh, to the house, and suddenly uh, then maybe lie down. And after a half an hour of lying, we find, oh, this too is also causing pains in the back, and then we may want to get up one more time. And so, 
these frequent changes of certain posture create a situation that makes us believe that we are only experiencing comfort, but and it's we're basically in a cocoon of an illusion, the illusion of comfort, and. When we do not give in to these impulses or intentions to change, then the unsatisfactoriness, the pains and aches will become pretty obvious. And so, one of the reasons for the instruction to sit still for an entire hour without changing one's posture, or at least as far as one, as long as one can, maybe 40 minutes, 45 minutes, is for a meditator to discover the suffering that is inherent in various certain postures. Now, in the course of the insight of the meditation practice, we are bound to come across various experiences of unsatisfactoriness or suffering, physical suffering. Now, during the very first insight knowledge, we with within just three or four days of practice, there is a lot of physical pain that may arise. So physical suffering in the form of physical pains, hardness, stiffness, aches, various pains, and maybe heat in the body or cold, whatever it's might be. And Satna this especially new meditators may come as a surprise. So meditation may have been idealized and imagined to be an activity of only pleasant experiences and here we sit and have to face all these unpleasant physical sensations. Now, in when we keep you know, observing predominant objects sooner or later, you know, we will you know, then you know, make the distinction, intuitive distinction between physical and mental you know, formations. And soon after this, and with further practice, we will then also notice how these physical and mental formations are related or connected by way of cause and effect, which then is another form of intuitive insight. Now, 
if we stay you know, with the practice and don't you know, run away, don't pack and you know, leave you know, the center, you know, then sooner or later we're bound you know, to you know, see you know, in a very direct you know, manner how a particular object arises and you know, then while we're observing it, it will undergo many different changes. With this, you know, then, you know, the characteristic of impermanence, you know, namely Anicca Lakana, you know, will become quite uh, uh, obvious. Now, when trying to care, or when carefully trying to observe a predominant object, and it keeps changing all the time, then you know, this certain uh, may actually not be all that uh, uh, nice. We want to have more time to observe the object, and we don't have the time you know, because the object keeps changing all the time. And certainly, uh, this you know, then is a form of fitness uh, suffering of unsatisfaction. And so, with this Satna, then the aspect of Dukkha comes Satna to the foreground. Now, if we manage to accept Satna, this Dukkha as Satna Dukkha, then our practice will move ahead and other. Uh, forms of understanding will arise. We might come across a number of rather fascinating or intriguing mental formations, and certainly oftentimes meditators tend to or tend to get attached to them. Now, when this happens, the uh, suffering nature formations will be, uh, or that understanding will be weakened, um, at least to some extent. Now, with further practice, a meditator is likely to gain other forms of understanding, which at this point will not be mentioned in detail, and certainly those will remain for you to find out for yourselves. Now, however, the aspect of unsatisfactoriness will reoccur in one certain meditation practice in many different forms and sometimes it certainly may become quite challenging and when one sees the unsatisfactory aspects of physical and mental formations, then at times one might feel like giving up and running away. However, with Satna patience, one will stay with one's Satna meditation and will gradually learn to accept the Dukkha aspect of Satna formations. And Satna then, what might happen is as the mind becomes more and more 
balanced as it becomes um, mature and so as it becomes sudden rather mature and sudden also very strong then one might be observing some object and its unsatisfactory quality may be the main feature and with this then the crossing over takes place. So the, while observing the aspect of dukkha, the realization of path and fruition knowledge may take place. This then um, is termed in the Pali scriptural language as apanihita vimokha mukha. So one uh, enters, one gains certain liberation through the door of the desirelessness. Of, or one enters, one gains Satna Nibbana, attains Satna Nibbana by going through the, dis, the door of desireless liberation. So the um, contemplation of this aspect of suffering or unsatisfactoriness is very important for a successful meditation practice. And the reason for this is only if you have seen in a very direct manner the uh, true nature of unsatisfactoriness of certain formations will the mind be willing to let go of these formations will the mind be willing to be less attached to these certain formations and the grasping will subside more and more the experience of Nibbana is nothing other than an experience of letting go, letting go of attachment to formations. So if we have not seen uh, Dukkha thoroughly in a a comprehensive manner, the mind will continue to be attached to formations. So seeing Dukkha is a preparation for the eventual letting go. Now, there are certain benefits certain to you know, observing you know, the unsatisfactoriness of formations, the suffering you know, nature of certain formations, especially you know, bodily or physical you know, formations. Namely, for one thing, it helps to dispel the perception, the wrongful perception of formations as being pleasurable. And if we do not go deeply in our meditation practice, and then we will 
sea formations as uh, um, being conducive to pleasure or happiness. And this is known as a distortion of perception, Sanya Vipalasa, in the Pali scriptural language. Now, if that distortion of perception keeps happening again and again, moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, and day after day, then it will have a certain impact on consciousness itself and it will lead to a distortion of consciousness in the Pali scriptural language known as Chittatna Vipalasa. So your original, your first perceptions are distorted, are not quite in accordance with reality and this then will shape your mind, will shape consciousness in a certain way, in a wrongful way. If this keeps happening and your consciousness is distorted, then this in the end will also lead to a distortion of views, deity, vipalasa in the Pali scriptural language, which then means that you might hold a view such as all formations are conducive to pleasure, which is utter nonsense. Now, by again and again observing formations as they truly are, the dukkha aspect will come to the foreground and we can no longer deny it and this then will lead to a rectification of our perception and then with a correction of the perception will come a correction of our consciousness and based on this then wrong Based on this, right certain views can arise. So the contemplation of fitness suffering helps a meditator to abandon the perception, the thought, into the view that the five aggregates are pleasurable. And certainly instead one learns to see them as merely a mass of fitness suffering. Now, when it comes to dealing with bodily pains and aches and other sensations, unpleasant sensations, the attitude that with which we observe formations will make a huge difference. Now, A person by, uh, actually back then, an associate associate professor named R.L. Gluckley from one of the East Coast, uh, uh, professor at one of the East Coast universities, in his uh, book Sacred Pain, Hurting the Body for the Sake of the Soul, has Sutna presented an interesting um, or interesting 
models of pain. So he speaks in his certain book of certain, uh, the juridical model and then of the military model and then of the athletic model and certain, uh, then uh, the magical model and then models of shared pain and psychotropic and ecstatic uh, models of pain. So what Ereglich uh, did in his certain uh, book is to describe how different religious certain uh, traditions, religious as well as non-religious you know, traditions, have dealt uh, you know, with certain uh, pain and used it you know, for you know, religious certain uh, practice. Now, in the so-called juridical model, pain is seen as a punishment. So you're ex the, the pains that come up in your meditation practice uh, arise you know, for a good reason. You've deserved you know, those certain pains, and certain suffering uh, is certain, you know, the, your lot. And certain it is certain some uh, supreme agency uh, that is certain causing you these certain pains and aches. The supreme agency you can uh, call it in different names. Or the pains are seen as a punishment owing to, or are being attributed, would be better to say, attributed to some impersonal mechanism such as karma. So owing to your terrible bad deeds in, the, in some past existence, this existence around here come the suffering. Here comes the, the retribution. And so with certain uh, this one uh, then uh, deserves to uh, suffer. And pain is seen as a debt or as damages owed. Now, in the military model, um, most people who suffered uh, pain today, especially chronic pain, regarded as an enemy or at the very least as an unwelcome guest conceptualizing pain as an enemy or invader of certain one certain body and this certain particular, uh, if a meditator follows this particular model, then uh, there will be certain uh, consequences in one's meditation practice. Now, we have yet another uh, model with regard certain uh, to uh, pain, namely the athletic model. And uh, in this model, asceticism is certainly regarded as a preparatory training for a future life. 
the word ascesis or ascesis in Greek, as used by Plato and Aristotle, means training, and it is closely related to the to virtue because athletic training requires the manly virtues of discipline, physical control, and endurance. So the idea here is when a pain arises, we welcome it and suddenly we think, okay, great, this suddenly will help me to get, to become a really heroic yogi. A yogi who is not afraid of any pain whatsoever. It will help me to become uh, or to increase my endurance. Now, when it comes to the magical models around certain pain, then um, pain is a thought to arise because of certain magic that certainly is being exercised. So maybe some other person wants us to suffer and thus we experience these certain pains. And certain sometimes mm, experiencing yeah, these certain uh, 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 magical pains is a thought yeah, to yeah, then overcome yeah, them and certain yeah, to yeah, then gain a higher yeah, state of uh, existence. Now there's yet a different another you know, form of looking at certain pain, namely uh, the pain seen as shared pain. Now, in one you know, particular you know, religious certain tradition. Mm, you know, uh, one undergoes certain pain for the sake of others. And can you think of this tradition? Christianity, there you go. In Christianity, Jesus Christ you know, suffering at the cross and you know, taking you know, or you know, facing you know, severe bodily you know, pains in order you know, to alleviate you know, the pain of you know, others. So, suffering on behalf of you know, others. And certainly then finally there is certainly the psychotropic and ecstatic or the, you know, the psychotropic and ecstatic models of certainly pain and so, you know, apparently you know, the, you know, there is, what happens is when you know, one goes you know, beyond a certain very high level of pain then a certain um, well, numbing is happening, and that one you know, no longer feels certain of the pain, and even you know, you know, those pains may even in, induce euphoric states. Now, 
These different models of pain have been uh, proposed by Ariel Glücklich, and certainly which one do you think would be most appropriate you know, for us as meditators? The ascetic model, the military model, the magical model, which one do you prefer? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the athletic model. Pain be pain. What's that? Isn't that just a model for letting pain be pain and, and that's it? I mean, just a natural part of the process? You didn't do a model for that one? Oh, no, no, yes, that is certainly going to be the final model. <laughs> and, indeed, um, when we observe a pain, we do not certainly want to be in a competition with another meditator and after sitting and discussing with our fellow meditator who sits right next to us how brave we've been <laughs> and how many minutes we've managed to deal with the pain. And so meditation is not about this at certain all. And what do you think of uh, the military model? Seeing a pain as your enemy. So you know, the pain arises in the body and then we go out and go for it and we try to get it, or you know, we try to attack it and you know, try to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Uh, now that might be, now, now that's actually interesting, yes indeed. Now that approach might be useful for the mental defilements. Now, um, taking a pain as an enemy usually will not work at all. And so, uh, what Satna will work much better is Satna to uh, observe a physical pain or uh, ache uh, with an attitude of patience, of especially acceptance and Satna then uh, determination or perseverance and detachment. And uh, see, the way you deal with, an ob with a difficult object will make uh, uh, all the difference. So if you welcome or if you accept an, an unpleasant certain object and certain you embrace it and certain you, you know, then uh, try to um, you, you observe it without any mental resistance, then the mind opens up, the mind is in a place where it can actually look at the qualities of the pain. And out of this then, you know, some intuitive knowledge can arise. Now, our usual um, mental habit is one of pushing pains away. And on the other hand, when a pleasant experience comes up, then we want to hold on to it. And so the mind has this terrible habit of pushing away unpleasant experiences and you know, then holding on to and grasping pleasant experiences. And this going between liking and disliking and grasping and pushing away is actually very tiring. <clears throat>
So what we need is uh, to observe and uh, pain with acceptance, uh, patience, and so on, and also uh, in a, with a non-reactive attitude of mind. And not freaking out uh, because a pain has arisen. There's yet another important aspect that is worth remembering, namely not to identify with the experience. So it's not my pain, but rather just a pain. Yes? Can we use the pain as an object to learn the relationship between mind and between the reaction of the mind yeah, sure enough, you can do that. I know. Sure, why not? And indeed, certainly, it will uh, help you, you know, to uh, see how you know, reactive you know, the mind is or tends to be around certain you know, pains. Now, the Venerable Sadhupanita Bhimsa you know, of Satna Burma has Satna recommended three strategies for dealing with pain. The first one being the attack strategy. So you go right into the center of a pain. You don't, you're not afraid of the pain whatsoever. And Satna then you try to know its certain nature. However, if this approach or this strategy is not Certain, or is at first working, but later on no longer you know, working, the mind suddenly tires, withers, then you, know, you might suddenly want to change your you know, strategy. And suddenly then you, know, you want, you may you know, want to adopt the second strategy, which you know, he calls um, a kind of a guerrilla strategy. A guerrilla is suddenly you know, uh, an insurgent certain, uh, strategy. And so, no, strategy used by insurgents. So, what insurgents do is, since oftentimes they are in the minority against, let's say, some uh, huge government army, then they will, um, a small group of insurgents will get together and then will launch a surprise attack on maybe some police station or some smaller, smaller military camp, and especially at a time when you know, people are you know, maybe sleeping, and suddenly then once suddenly they've attacked and overrun you know, the police post or you know, the camp, military camp, and, and suddenly. And then maybe uh, manage to capture some you know, weapons, then you know, they'll run away and uh, disperse, and suddenly then it will be very difficult suddenly uh, to uh, get hold of them. And suddenly, so you know, these insurgents, or this certain form of insurgent strategy, it can be extremely complicated you know, to deal with you know, for a big regular you know, army. Now, what does this mean you know, with regard to our pain? 
means you know, that you know, we observe it you know, for a while. You know, so do we approach the pain, you know, we deal with it you know, for a while, and then when the mind gets tired of it, then we will pull back a little bit. It's not. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, look at the object anymore, but rather, you know, you know, from you know, with you know, some further you know, distance, you know, we you know, then and in a detached manner we observe you know, the you know, pain. This then will give the mind you know, to uh, regain you know, some strength, and then once you know, the mind, uh, the mental strength is replenished, you know, then you know, uh, we will go into you know, the pain again. So this you know, we may do several you know, times in a row. Now, if the second approach or second strategy also doesn't work, then the mind gets really tired, then we could apply the third strategy, which you might call the strategy of a gent or a graceful surrender. And... And then, with this, you simply you simply start ignoring that sudden pain, and you direct your attention to some other predominant object. So you might suddenly then want to observe the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, or some other object that is relatively neutral, and that is easy for the mind to observe. And while you're observing this new object, the original pain may gradually lose some of its momentum, some of its intensity, and then eventually it fades away. So, um, those three strategies at times may be very useful. When we work with a pain, then it's important to make this or to be clear about pains that are practice related and pains that may be health related or actually that may be an indication for a health problem. So, if a pain arises during a sitting, and uh, we then label it, observe it, know its that nature, and uh, the pain uh, then subsides, and uh, does not last into, or does not continue into uh, the next uh, walking session, then this kind of a pain would be um, a practice-related pain. But... If we do a sitting, a pain arises, we observe it, and uh, it continues for the entire sitting, and it uh, then even lasts uh, uh, into you know, the walking session, maybe throughout the entire walking session, and then the next uh, sitting session, then you know, we better be careful. And then it might be uh, a health-related issue. And in a case like this, it would be better not to push too you know, far and uh, then uh, rather you know, to you know, change you know, our posture, change or sit on a chair rather than on, you know, on a cushion on the floor.
Now, earlier on, we spoke about the attitude, helpful attitudes towards or or in observing a pain. And there's still one more aspect in this certain connection, namely to see a pain as a friend. And you might want to see a pain as a friend because it helps you to develop what? Hmm? Patience. Patience, yes, for one thing. What else? Concentration. Concentration, yes, is correct. And? What's that? Understanding. Understanding is correct. Intuitive certain insight. So, in the end, a pain may bring about many benefits. And towards Satnya, the end of Satnya, this talk, I will give you still one more benefit. Now, um, when dealing with an intense Satnya pain, it might be helpful to remember that this pain, in the end, is anicca, namely impermanent. And this pain, even though it may seem pretty compact, pretty solid, pretty permanent, yet sooner or later it is going to break up and suddenly then to disappear. So, in a general way, we can say that physical pains or physical suffering is shares those three characteristics, namely of impermanence, anicca, of obviously of dukkha, and certainly then also of anatta. So, pain is just an object, there's no self behind it. Now, sometimes certainly what happens is that uh, as our for a while we're quite pain free. It's uh, you know, fun to meditate, and suddenly then more and uh, more concentration develops, and suddenly we're happy about suddenly this. But as a side effect, uh, uh, well, more pains arise. And then we think, what is wrong? More concentration is there, and uh, now we have to deal with more pains. Well, the explanation is, as your mind is getting more concentrated, it certainly then will be able to discern greater details, and it will be able to discern pains that, at first with a dull mind, are not necessarily as accessible. And so, so this may come as a certain disappointment, but don't worry about this. The answer to you know, the problem simply lies in more concentration. And so, if you then continue with your meditation practice, and your concentration gradually gets stronger and even stronger, then there comes a point where those sudden pains then get suppressed, and then the practice will be quite free of pains for a while. Now, when dealing with physical suffering, especially physical pains, there's so much we can learn about these. 
different certain paints have different certain qualities, and that we can see how gradually pain is certainly breaking, breaking up. We could also see how the sense of self is. Is there? Maybe after a while, is suddenly even breaking up, and we may also see how at first the mind is extremely reactive towards a pain, and later on it becomes rather balanced and non-reactive with regard to a pain. At that point, a pain may be seen as just another sensation. Now, and the Buddha has highlighted a very interesting aspect around Dukkha, namely, he says, monks, and by extension, nuns and lay meditators, I say that Dukkha results in bewilderment or search. So, dukkha results in bewilderment or search. When we look at certainly the life story of different meditators, then we find that certainly there is certainly probably quite, or we may find that there is probably quite a number of meditators who found their way to the practice owing to dukkha in one's life, owing to a considerable, considerable amount of suffering. To give you just one such case, namely Deepama from West Bengal, who was married to an engineer and suddenly then both of them moved to Burma and suddenly they had two children and Deepama had to deal with lots of suffering. If I'm not mistaken, one of her children passed away and then also her husband passed away. She ended up with lots of physical suffering and physical illness. And uh, she was very much interested in uh, uh, undertaking practice. However, her husband, while he was certainly still alive, prevented her uh, from attending a retreat, saying, in accordance with Hindu tradition, uh, this re spiritual practice comes later on in life. And so do this uh, when you're uh, uh, more advanced in life. Now, with the passing away of her husband, she was no longer bound to this, and then after recovering from her various illnesses, she then went straight to the Mahasi Meditation Center in Rangoon, Burma. And uh, having experienced a tremendous amount of suffering, worldly suffering, in a very short period of time, she managed to gain uh, the Dhamma. So, Dukkha may lead to search, and search may uh, then uh, uh, result in realizing the Dhamma. 
if we deal with dukkha in an unskillful manner, we may end up like Patachara, and uh, who despaired over uh, the death of her, um, uh, the death of her uh, husband and uh, two uh, children and her brothers and uh, uh, parents. And certainly, so uh, she had to face a huge uh, amount of uh, suffering, or, or she learned, uh, or she experienced a huge amount of uh, suffering, uh, very intense suffering, uh, within a very short period of time, and uh, that temporarily robbed her of her senses. And it was in the presence of uh, the Buddha that uh, she then uh, managed to see through the suffering and ultimately she gained the Dhamma. Let me conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk by wishing may you see Dukkha not as something bad but rather as a tremendous opportunity. May it help you to deepen your meditation practice and may it even turn, may it even be a door to liberation. And this is it for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.